What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the show. Today's episode is going to be brought to you by Mystery Ranch, built for the mission. And if you guys don't know who Mystery Ranch is, well, go check them out. They are most well known for the most comfortable and the best built fireline pack out there. But they also make a ton of other load bearing stuff, too. So if you guys go want, want to go ruck a bull elk out of Idaho somewhere in the backcountry, well, they make a solution for that. If you guys want to go trekking across Europe, they got a solution for you. Hell, they even make briefcases, which is pretty damn cool. But more importantly, they're starting to give back to the community even more than they already do. So they're starting with the Backbone series, which is going to highlight some of the uh, folks out there in the field and uh, kind of highlight the backbone of our workforce, if you will, the uh, 1039 and seasonal employees out there. But also it's going to shed some perspective and light from uh, middle management leaders, uh, captains, all that stuff. Looking forward to working with these guys on that, but also they're going to be giving back to the community more so by starting their 1039 scholarship fund. I don't know if that's going to be the final name for it or not, but what it is is a cool opportunity for you folks in the field that happen to be seasonal employees that want to go back to school and get some education under your belt. So look for that coming down the road. And if you guys want to go find out more, Go to www.mysteryranch. Ah, one more thing. They are doing Mentor Mondays. So slide into Mystery Ranch's DMs on Instagram and uh, submit your leader of the week or your mentor of the week. And yeah, let's uh, pay some homage, pay some, pay some uh, respects to our mentors in the field. So once again, Mentor Mondays, go check them out, www.mysteryranch.com. Vigor Point Podcast is also brought to you by our premier coffee sponsor. Who is that, you might ask? Well, it is none other than Hotshot Brewery. What do they do? Well, they make kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, where a portion of the proceeds will always go back to the Wildland Firefighter Foundation. But besides kick-ass coffee for a kick-ass cause, they have a full line of apparel. They have a full line of the tools of the trade to get your morning started off right as well. So go over there to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. They're uh, yeah, they've got a lot of cool stuff going on and uh, rumor has it they might have a new roast coming down the line. So be on the lookout for that. But they also help support the Anchor Point podcast by slinging our merch. Oh, yeah. So if you want one of those fire fiend t- uh, T-shirts or one of the Band of Brothers T-shirts or stickers, well, definitely hit them up. Go over to www.hotshotbrewing.com and check them out. All right, today we're going to take a little time out of your day to raise a little bit of awareness. Give a little PSA, if you will. And what is this PSA about? Well, let's put you in a scenario. Have you ever been hiking along, enjoying nature, out for a trail run, or camping with your homies, and you have to come across, happen to come across a uh, nice, fresh pile of human feces that's been nicely gift wrapped in toilet paper? Well, that needs to stop. Lucky for us, though, we have an advocate against this. We have an entire movement dedicating, dedicated to removing the tissue issue from our public lands. Who is that you might ask? Well, booze and fire over there. He started the ass movement. Funny name, but it's serious about stewardship and you guys can help the movement along. If you go over to www.thefirewild.com, you'll find a full assortment of anti-surface shitting And last but not least, the Anchor Point Podcast is going to be brought to you by the Smoky Generation, also known as 
the American wildfire experience. What is it you might ask? Well, it is a digital archive, a digital collection of sorts of wildland firefighting stories uh, here in North America dating all the way back to the 1940s. There's over 100 of them and they're actually pretty cool. So if you want a little uh, history lesson or see some opinions from the uh, folks in the field that are out there fighting alongside of you, well, definitely go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check her out. Also, she gives uh, back Bethany over there. She gives back to the community a hell of a lot. And I definitely appreciate the organization that she has going on. And uh, yeah, she has actually paired up with Mystery Ranch and Water Axe Pumps, Water Axe Pumps to uh, help facilitate some grants for you folks out there in the field. So if you happen to be telling a story of wildland firefighter, whether you're a photographer, a writer, a blogger, a cinematographer, any of that stuff, definitely uh, get over there and check it out. Uh, I know that applications for this year, the 2020 year are going to be closed at this time. And uh, yeah, but there'll be a recurring thing. So be on the lookout for the newest announcements for 2021. Anyways, once again, go over to www.wildfireexperience.org and check it out. The views and opinions of this podcast do not reflect the views and opinions of the United States government, the Department of the Interior, the Department of Defense, the Department of Agriculture, the United States Forest Service, the Bureau of Land Management, National Park Service, the Bureau of Indian Affairs, or any private, municipal, county, or state firefighting organization, any law enforcement agency, any medical provider, or any contractor employed by any federal agency. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Hope everybody's doing well. And uh, yeah, quick apology for last week and not having an episode out, but I had to go down to Vegas and take care of some stuff. And uh, yeah, huge shout out to North American Rescue for fitting me in uh, last minute down there. Definitely appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. Today on the show, we're going to talk a little bit about fitness. It's a uh, it's one of those topics that I'm very passionate about, and uh, it's refreshing to see other people in the field that are equally as passionate uh, passionate about it as I am. So. Today on the show, I've got a gentleman by the name of Chris Ruano. He is a municipal firefighter out of California there. And uh, yeah, can't really say the agency he works for, but yeah, he's down there. Uh, he did some time on Texas Canyon Hotshots and he's been through the gambit, but he is running their fitness program and he also owns his program, Venture Athlete. It is pretty awesome. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce my good friend, Chris Ruano. Welcome to the Anchor Point. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast. Today on the show, I've got Chris Ruano. Ruano, or is it Ruano? Ruano. Ruano. There we go. I just make sure I don't mess that up. <laughs> Anyways, okay. what's going on, man? You are like the fitness guru. You do the venture athlete thing, and you primarily specialize in wildland firefighter fitness and leadership and all this other stuff, man. You got, you're a pretty interesting dude. I'm, I'm stoked to have you on the show. No, I've been, uh, I'm, I'm really super pumped to be on too. Uh, um, just thankful for, first of all, just a little shout out for your podcast. I'm, I'm really thankful. It's, uh, you know, I, I think it's great for the community and I can speak for myself personally, you know, we'll kind of get into my passions and w what I've been into, but, uh, you know, some of your guests, uh, you know, kind of just developed relationships with, uh, some of your previous guests, uh, Fernando Montez, I've worked with him in the past on several occasions, and, um, you know, I know a lot of, a lot of folks like that podcast. So, 
Um, you know, I'll probably talk about that a little bit and, and, and just, uh, uh, you know, but, but he is part of the community. And then also, you know, through your podcast, um, been, uh, been getting to just kind of develop a relationship and a friendship, you know, proud to say with, uh, the human uh, resilience project, Dr. Uh, Harold. So uh, he's a rad dude. Just, Same with Montez. Oh yeah. Just great, great folks. I'm like, you know, some of these people, I'm like, these are my people, you know what I mean? And, uh, I just need to, uh, you know, when people are just kind of moving in the same direction and passionate about the same things, you just want to kind of jump in on it and see where you can, uh, you know, fill in and, and help each other out. So that, that part's been great, man. I really appreciate what you're doing and I uh, appreciate all the, the community involvement because that's what it is. You know, when people comment and, and reaching out and asking questions and just staying engaged as opposed to just listening to episodes, you know, that's what, that's what makes it awesome. So. Yeah, it turned into an interesting thing, man. And uh, thank you for your, for your uh, kind words. I appreciate it, man. But it, I think it's cool because um, coming from my perspective, it's I'm just a facilitator and all the subject matter experts are out there like yourself, for instance, or Fernando or Dr. Harrell. It's pretty cool, man. It's been a wild ride and uh, I hope that it expands and brings the community closer together. That's the whole goal of this thing. So thank you, man. I appreciate it. No, right on. Definitely. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, man. Tell us who you are, what you work for, where you're at. What do you do, man? Okay. So uh, again, Chris Ruano, I'm uh, 43 years old and uh, I live in Southern California. Um, currently assigned as a, a foreman on a, a wildland, a, a paid wildland crew. Um, uh, just kind of, I, I was grew up in a rural area in Southern California kind of out in the boonies up in the mountains. And then, uh, the way I got interested in fire and how that kind of went down was I was getting ready to graduate high school. And I just knew I I didn't want to work in a cubicle. I wanted to be outdoors. Um, but even as a young man, I was kind of mindful of, uh, you know, family and and kind of that stuff later on. So, um, you know, my dad was a a deputy and I I was like, Hey, that job seems pretty cool. You know, what do you think about that? And then uh, he had told me, he said, Hey, me or any of the guys I work with, if we had to do over again, we'd be firemen. Why don't you check that out? So <laughs> that's what I did. I had a, a friend, you know, I'm like 18 years old. So I had a friend who's in uh, explorers and I, I hit him up. And then, so just kind of got like in a, a municipal fire department explorer program, you know, and that was really kind of enough for me. I think kind of lit the fire was like, Hey, you know, I, yeah, I think I, I think there's something I could be into. Um, so, you know, just, just like I said, as a young man, just kind of getting engaged, you know, you start asking questions on, Hey, how do I get this job? What do I need to do? And people start pointing in, in directions. And, but, uh, but really when I got like the first taste of wildland and then, you know, cause, cause that's where I'm working at even today. But I think I really got bit by that bug. Uh, I was doing training. It was just like a, uh, like a one or two month explorer Academy, but we did a wildland day at a fire camp and, you know, they, they make you swing tools and do all that stuff and run around and, and, you know, you're about to puke and, and just all this stuff. It, it was definitely the hardest part of, of any of the training, like by far. And, uh, you know, I don't know something about when things are hard, I, uh, it, it kind of attracted me to, I was like, man, that's really hard. And it broke me off. But I, I think I, I think I want to get like, good at that. I think I want to try that, you know? And, and also I think it was just the respect, like some of the, some of the uh, leadership and the, and the training, you know, they had been on hotshot crews, um, you know, work on camp crews and there was just this kind of reverence and respect that they kind of carried, you know? And I think I just kind of picked up on that and it was like, that's like something to kind of go after or something that's uh, that, that I put it like a high priority on, you know, it was something that I kind of emulated in those mentors, you know, I was like, Hey, you know, this is something I think I want to do. So I was always interested in it, you know, just knocking out, 
training and classes and, and, and stuff like you do trying to trying to get on a fire department. And then, um, part of that was, was always going to be, you know, Hey, I'll, I'll knock out some school, but it's time for work experience now. And, uh, so um, I got it uh, started just banging on doors for the forest service. I went all over. I mean, I, I live in Southern California, you know, I would just drive up, you know, as, as far North as like, uh, you know, Fresno and things and everywhere in between all the way down South, just found out on a map where all the hotshot uh, stations were and bringing resumes and just meeting people. And, and I ended up getting uh, picked up real close to home um, working for a uh, Texas Canyon hotshot. So nice. I did a, uh, two seasons on two, uh, TC on the crew on uh, 98, 99. And then 2000, I stayed at uh, Texas Canyon, but on the engine. So uh, I was getting close to getting picked up with the municipal, municipal department, um, which is where I'm at now. Um, I've been there for over 20 years. And um, so I'm fortunate enough that my agency does have a wildland program. So after about 10 years in the station, I've been back in the wildland for, uh, for the last 10 years. And then, uh, even with that, it was something that, you know, I had, I was one of those guys that was on the crew that, you know, kind of wanted to go to the municipal and, and you know, I, I would work hard and put in the work and, you know, try to keep my mouth shut as much as I could. You know, I didn't want to be one of the guys that's always talking about municipal, you know, when we're out there in the mountains and things like that. But, you know, it was kind of goal of mine, but, but I was definitely all about the crew life. I really enjoyed it. And I had never even been out of state. Um, you know, yeah. at, at that point in my life. So it was, it was awesome getting to travel and go all over the place and see these places and, and, you know, fight fires and things like that. So, um, you know, I, so I never thought I'd be able to come back to something like that. Um, I, I kind of had pictured myself as being like, you know, family man kind of thing once I got established and got a career and I figured those days were like long gone, but then, um, you know, the door opened and the, the schedule was actually more preferable to me. Um, I don't always dig those 24 hour shifts all the time. You know, I, I like coming home at night. I like working shifts and uh, like being outside all day. So when I had a chance to go back to kind of the camp life and, and wildland, you know, that's what I did. And I, I've been there for the last 10 years. Um, so I did a uh, uh, few years with the inmate crews, running inmate crews. And then the last few years been doing uh, the paid crew thing. So uh, paid crews, uh, we uh, have some fly crews and we have some ground-based crews and currently working on a ground-based uh, crew as a crew foreman. So um, that's kind of, you know, just kind of where I'm at now and, and the, the experience that I've kind of been doing. Um, but uh, definitely my passion, you know, is definitely the wildland, the wildland side. I, I do. I just love being able to, to be outside and, you know, hiking and, and running and just working outside. Even, you know, I actually enjoy even just the, you know, cutting brush and roadside and just being outside and swinging a tool. Um, I, again, kind of looking back to, when, uh, like I said, you know, being really young, just kind of seeing where the harder work was at and kind of respecting that. I kind of always respected those people and that kind of work. So, um, you know, sometimes you, you'll run into people and, and when, when things are hard, they'll complain about it whether it's a fire station that's really busy and, Oh man, we're, we're getting slaughtered with all these calls and, or, you know, we always have to work outside, you know, up in the brush and, and camp out outside. That's it's the like, fun part though. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and so when I hear people complain sometimes about that stuff, it kind of, I don't know, attracts me to it. Like, I think I can do that. And maybe it's not that bad, you know, I'm going to see if I can do that. So like, uh, I don't know, just kind of been attracted to maybe more of the, the harder work, um, you know, but, uh, 
anyway, so that's where I'm at now. Um, uh, just working, uh, working on our wildland crews, um, still kind of, now I'm at the point where I, I may be transitioning a little bit more overhead leadership. So, uh, you know, I might have to step away for a year or two from the wildland, but definitely my goal is to come back. So, yeah, that's the thing, man. It's like, well, that's a cool thing about your experience too, is that you've had the uh, unique opportunity to see it from both sides, right? So from fed up in uh, TC, shout out to TC, Justin, Justine, I know you're listening. So shout out. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you got to see the fed side and then you transitioned over to the municipal side and there's gotta be like a night and day difference between that, man. Uh, it's, it's different. It's the same thing, but different. Like you're saying the shifts are different. The, the culture's different. I mean, what's, what was that? What was that like for you? Well, it, you know, and all, I mean, that's, that's the job I wanted, right. You know, the municipal one, that was my, that was my target. That was my goal. So, I mean, I did, I got my dream job. I got, you know, where I want to work and, and what I want to do. And, and I still, I, I, I like that part of the job too. I just like this way better. And, uh, it, and so the difference, what it's like. So when I would, when I first came into, you know, the wildland side, it's pretty, you know, we, we don't hardly even work with the, the structure side, you know, we do our own thing and, and training and everything else. And, you know, I, I would, guys would ask me, I'd run into them on a fire and they're like, Hey, how do you like that? You know, how do you like doing that again? And I said, well, it's like I quit my old job and got a new one. I said, I don't work the same schedule. I don't wear the same safety gear. I don't do any of the same, same work. It's, it's, it's absolutely like I, I went and worked for another agency, even though it was the same, it was the same one. So definitely night and day, night and day, just on, on how the day is laid out and, uh, you know, the workforce, um, and, you know, even the work ethic, a lot of time, you know, we just, it, it's a different, it's much faster pace, you know, we're, we're just not going to get there. There is no, we're not working, you know, 24 hour shifts. So it's, um, well, I mean, on the line, we'll work 24s, but I mean, we're not just all on these 24 hour stage shifts. We go home at night. And so we got a lot to do during the day. Um, and, uh, there's, there's definitely not, not a lot of downtime. It's kind of just balls to the wall the entire time, huh? Oh yeah. And then, you know, and, and it's also kind of unique on our agency is so our, our crews, you know, are there year round. We don't have, um, we don't have, we don't have any seasonal crewmen um all our crewmen are, are year-round and stuff so uh that's a whole nother dynamic you know that's like on the longevity side you know having having folks that you know they're, they're not going to get laid off it's just it's like you said it's on the throttle and and really it, it is year-round even though it's not fire season there's so much to train and do and and, and projects a lot and of things project going work on, i'd assume yeah it, it just never stops so so it's uh yeah it's, it's like uh you know, perpetual season almost, at least that's the kind of pace we run. We don't really ever kind of, you know, we don't decrease our staffing or, or, or back off of the stuff we got going on. The routine is a routine and, and that's a year round. Yeah. And you know, that's one thing that I've always struggled with, with the feds, uh, being seasonal. I mean, God, man, sometimes, I mean, at first, don't get me wrong. I enjoyed the hell out of my off time during the down season, but after a while that takes a toll on your mental health, man. It just, you just feel freaking useless after a while that, that lack of purpose in the winter. And you're just like, all right, go to the gym. All right. Now I'm going to play video games. Oh, I'm going to file for unemployment. Now what? <laughs> it's, it's just one yeah. of those things, man. Right. So that's one thing that's cool about the County, um, or the, the municipal side of things. Uh, it's, you know, it's year round a little bit more stability. Yeah, definitely. I mean, and, and, you know, some of it is, you know, you, you plan for those different parts of the year and you know, it's coming like, you know, that fire season prep, um, you know, where we're doing, uh, burns and training or, you know, it, uh, 
but also just having a, a facility that you run out of. It's kind of like, you know, that fire station where there's, there's a lot of stuff to do and, and, you know, and build and work on. And there, there's tons of projects where, where the manpower for the, you know, for the area. So you get pulled in a lot of different directions, but, uh, I, again, that's just something that's the job, but I really enjoy that. I enjoy being, being busy and, uh, you know, having something to do and, and coming to work seeing what we can accomplish each day. And, and, uh, like you said, not having to, to lay off of it. I don't, I don't, we don't lose the guys. We don't lose the momentum. We just keep it going. We get new folks different times throughout the year, depending on whenever we run a, a training Academy. So it could be in the winter time that we're getting new folks and need to train them. Or it could be like we had uh, just this week, we got, we had new folks on the crew and, and they came straight from training and, and just went out on a, uh, on a incident with us. And, um, so yeah, it's just, uh, you know, like I said, it's perpetual, uh, always training, always trying to move forward, but, but pushing hard. Nice, man. Yeah. So what about your fitness thing? Now that's your other passion as well is the whole fitness thing. And you specialize in wildland fire, uh, firefighter fitness. And now you actually are on my website under the resources page with the prep and defend. So just if you guys are listening, go over there, you can check out all of his stuff, all of his programming. It's pretty badass. So what are your fitness quals? What do you do with that? What is your passion, dude? Just lay it out for us. Okay. Yeah. Again. So, um, just kind of, just kind of being attracted to like the, the more type a kind of higher level operations that, you know, with, within our, within our job and community, um, it was still that way coming into the, you know, back into the wildland stuff and, and, you know, the camp crews with the, the younger guys is like a lot faster pace. They're all in shape and, you know, as I was getting older and stuff, you know, I was interested, I was always interested in, in, in like pushing that pace and, and being involved in that kind of program and, and, you know, the pride and the, uh, and, and the, the amount of work that we can get done, you know, when you're a part of that. <laughs> um, so I was kind of gravitated towards that. And then, so when I got to those, those assignments, you know, um, it was, you know, we had, uh, you know, great PT program at the time it was, uh, um, where we were at, it was, everybody's following crossfit.com's programming like the general uh, page. Yeah. Just the, the, that was the, that was the workout, you know, and that's what we were doing. And then, um, and you know, so it was you know, operating a high level. And then on top of that trail runs was, was like the, the program that we did, you know, so it was trail run and then the workout. Um, and, and that was like on a regular basis. And it's like my favorite, man. Uh, just, I love trail running. Oh yeah. Dude, that's it's just, like my that's favorite. Like, that's all part of it. And, and, uh, but, and then, so I guess as like folks, like, uh, as things got more professional and, uh, under a little more scrutiny, for example, like, uh, Mr. Montes, you had on the show, you know, I've, I've worked around him. Um, you know, he, he helps out with some training academies and things. And, uh, you know, he's an incredible resource to have somebody with his background, uh, you know, on the, the physical therapy side and just being a part of a whole bunch of different professional sports teams and stuff. He comes at it from a whole different approach, which is much more, professional, you know? Um, yeah, but whereas, let's be honest uh, here. That dude is a savage at the same time. Oh, yeah. He is a, he's a fucking savage. <laughs> well, he, he's, I mean, he's doing it. He's, he's not afraid to kind of go against, uh, the status quo, you know, and, and again, but it kind of brings that a little bit more professionalism. And so when, when we were just doing the CrossFit workouts, you know, and when questions get asked, like you're trying to justify it, you know, and, and that's the role that I kind of found myself in at times was, as, as the foreman or leading the PTs or being responsible for that, uh, you know, you just kind of start to try to justify it. And, and it, sometimes it gets difficult, you know, like, why are we doing, 
why are we doing snatches with brand new guys or, you know, guys are getting hurt doing this and that. And that's not, that's not what any agency wants is their, their folks to get hurt doing PT. Yeah. And if we're doing anything that that's, you know, that that's counterproductive of what they want, you know, they're, we're, we're, we're blessed, lucky enough to be able to PT on duty, you know, with trail runs or, or if you have a gym facility at, at your unit, but if you, uh, you know, if you're getting folks hurt, then that's not, that's not going to be sustainable. So yeah, just kind of learning and talking and kind of checking some stuff out. So we tried some other programming up there. It was more like a military, like special ops kind of programming. Um, it, it was good. I mean, it was, it was, it was the first time I had ever really followed programming. Cause as you know, you know, uh, a lot of folks, you know, whether it's CrossFit or they follow just some, some template or workout that a, a friend gave them or the, you know, they're following somebody's Instagram and just random workouts. Yeah. But you know, going from just random, what's it going to be to an actual program we started following. That was different. That was the first time I'd ever done that. It was the first time I did like an actual strength kind of uh, based training. So well, that strength was strength is important though. That's a thing though. And that's, that, you bring up a good point there because I mean, I've been guilty of it, especially when I was first starting out is you're not training to a sport specific kind of uh, workout schedule, I guess you could say. So like you have your hierarchy of sport, right? Just like with CrossFit, you know, you have your hierarchy of sport and then your foundation is always strength, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we need to build off of that. And I think that a lot of things that we're doing, at least I was being guilty of is just throwing all that shit out the window and just doing random stuff with no purpose. It's like, Oh, hardcore workout. Yeah. Let's get some. No, you're not training to a purpose. No, and you're exactly right. And when, when, you know, when I, get called on that sometimes like as the, the PT leader, you know, is, uh, you know, you're trying to justify and then you start thinking and you're like, okay, you know, what you, what you really step back, you know, I guess when you really get checked on something like that, you're like, this is what we do. This is what we do. And this is how we do it. And, you know, kind of get out of our way. But then when you actually think about it, you know, you're going, all right, we're kind of just doing whatever here. I guess we're not really on a program or a plan. So like I was saying, we started to kind of follow this other programming, but it was, it wasn't really good for our job. It was designed for like, you know, the special ops community. We liked it cause it was hard and, and, and intense and, you know, had like bodybuilding aspects and, and it did have that strength base. And, and I learned a tremendous amount during that, but it wasn't really right for us. It was, and here's another thing too, when you're leading PT is you're responsible to make sure your guys are good to go. And if we're all shot out for the job that we're going to do that day, you know, on the IA or, or whatever, cause it was an IA based crew. Um, and you know, you're responsible for that as well. And it's like, okay, this isn't really a good fit for us. It was like the, we were still doing the trail run and then the workout portion was like an hour and a half. And, you know, it was just, we just couldn't get it all in. And then if we, you know, there was times where it was just like, we were, it, it was, it was not appropriate for the job we were trying to do. Like you said, it's not, it wasn't sport specific, you know, for what we had to do. And, um, but I, but I was really passionate and interested. I, I loved working out and, um, you know, I, I got bit by the CrossFit bug early on, just kind of on, you know, when I, when that would be like when I was like 30 and just kind of get competitive again. And, um, you know, I, I enjoyed that aspect of it, but it was, it was, you know, I wanted to learn more. So, uh, on the training side, I just looked into some other, you know, there's so much training and resources and programs out there. I, I wasn't, you know, it's not like I was going to go to college and get, you know, like a, uh, you know, kinesiology degree or something like that. I wasn't going to be able to, to do something like that, but, but I was interested in learning and programming. And, um, so I did, uh, it was a uh, end of three fitness, which he runs garage gym athlete. And, uh, I, 
it was just looked like a good balance for, 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 uh, strength and conditioning. Cause there's a ton of strength programs to follow. And maybe because the conditioning is, is, is not as fun and it's, it's harder. And there's just not as much people like all about the conditioning side as well. You know, you'll, yeah. you'll hear a lot of input on here's what we're going to do for strength, but on the conditioning, it's, you know, like, you know, we just do the, the trail runs and, uh, um, and I think a lot of that, that is just historical, you know, that's tradition, that's historical, you know, I was kind of thinking about it, you know, culture wise, and that is what we do. And I'm proud of it. I, I love trail running. And fortunately, I'm still able to do that as part of just being outside on a crew. I mean, I really do enjoy, you know, the trail running part of it. But I think that's just all that was all we had for so long. You know, these guys got out of World War Two and started opening all these crews and smoke jumpers. And they were like the, they were the guys in charge and the soups and the foreman. And that's what they did in the military, right? They just ran. And then, so that tradition, you know, we just run and run and, and we don't have a lot of equipment and things, you know, over time. And then now I think just as a society, we're, we're the most like kind of, I guess, fitness aware with social media. And, and of course, you know, CrossFit a few years back had a lot to do with that. Um, just exposing the general public to, you know, all the different things you can do and, and, and being well-rounded that I think people in general are more open to that word before it was just trail running that you did. Like, what do you mean you want to work out with weights, you know, or something exactly. like that? It just well, wasn't a part of our, our job. Yeah. And that's the thing though, is like, what did you guys always do for like a hell week? You'd do double days for a week straight, maybe two weeks straight. You'd run, run, hike, run, hike, hike, run, 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 hike, pyramid of pull-ups run, run, hike, 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 run, 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 hike, and so on and so forth, oh, yeah. like to infinity. And I, I, I'm kind of like happy to see that a lot of crews out there are starting to get like badass gyms with like bumper plates and shit in them. And they're not going through the status quo, the old school mentality of just run, hike, pull-ups every day, you know, push-ups, like a lot of plyometric stuff. It's cool, man. It's cool to see that it's actually training. I think it's going to build a better firefighter and be a, uh, make us a lot more resilient to injury as well. No, and you're absolutely right. And, and, uh, you know, and, and I'll get into strength, even like you were talking about, you know, uh, in, in a little bit more, but, uh, but yeah, just kind of looking at, at now, you know, there, there's more, more stuff available more people are interested in working out. And so the people like us that are, that are in charge and have kind of come up through that, like, we're not afraid to, you know, introduce some, some other things and, and do some other types of training kind of go against the and, status quo. Yeah. And do what it takes to maybe acquire some of that equipment that you need to get, you know, there's, there's some stuff that goes into it, but then even as I learned through that programming, not really being right for us. So, I, you know, I went and uh, just learned about programming and went, went through a course, you know, and set up a whole programming to where the, I really wanted to make something for us, the, like the wildland firefighter with our looking at us as a year round, like occupational athletes. I, I tell folks all the time, even, even when I was working with the inmate crews, it's like, we're, we're training like athletes, but we never get an off season because, you know, they, those guys don't get laid off either. Right. And, and yeah. we just, we hike, hike them like crazy all, all winter long, like every day. That's what we do. You know, well, it's like a top level fighter, man. I mean, a top level fighter is going to go to a training camp before their fight, right? They're going to train year round, but their camps are very intense, but our camp is year round. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so that kind of approach that, you know, but then actually looking at, okay. And, and again, with the Mr. Montez stuff and, and just kind of being, you know, I gleaned a lot from him and, and, and men, mentored by him in, in a lot of ways where he just kind of made me think a little bit more responsibly on what we're actually setting up and what we're doing. So anyways, you know, wanted to create something that would, would basically, we wanted to peak an athlete for fire season, what it would look like. And again, this is just based on my experience and the training that I went through. I mean, there's, there's going to be tons of ways to go about this, 
but basically where I landed with this and that's what the, the prep and defend kind of, I guess, system, if you would call it, that is, is it, like you said, it's all starts with strength. So, um, so like in October, right at the end of fire season, uh, we start with the strength cycle, like a three month strength cycle with conditioning to balance it out. But really strength is the focus. And, and I mean, just being deadlifts, back squat and pressing. And then even through that repetition, people that are new, to, new to it, they get just, you know, they get more used to moving like that. And, and you're building that strength and, and focusing on that for three months. And then, you know, now we're kind of like at that new year's time and, and we're using that strength and now we're doing more power movements and developing that. Your explosivity. Yeah, yeah, more get more explosive and getting to to move move those heavier loads, but but a little bit more rapidly, and really just learning how to move. The first one is just learning how to hold and carry and move a load, and now it's like how to move uh, move quickly, and then um, and then late spring, like like now is kind of like that extended attack is the goal. You know that right right at the beginning when everybody's getting hired is you know maybe not so heavy, but you can you can move move weight. And, but you're conditioned to be able to do it for a long period of time. And then, um, and summertime, which is what I'm just getting ready to start. Uh, you know, summertime, anybody on a crew, they're going to be gone. They're not gonna be able to work out, but even folks where I work out of more of a, of a base, you know, we're not gone all the time traveling all over. We're, we're based out of our, of our home unit pretty, pretty, you know, often like 90, 95% of the time, you know, we just mostly do IA. So we have our gym, but just backing off the weight for three whole months, a little bit, you know, just one kettlebell, some rubber bands and body weight. But, but even with that, oh, and then a lot of breathing work, focusing on that this summer, you know, how to breathe and how to recover from, you know, letting your breathing just spin out of control, focusing on, on some of those things that you don't need to be under a heavy load to do and giving, giving your body a chance to rest and recover for a few months, because then that puts us right back in October where we're going to jump back on the, on the strength focus. So that's kind of the cycle. And then, and then it's designed also another thing about leading PT and just not taking a, a class or a course and making some program is, is, you know, trying to come up with something that we can do and still go to work. Um, and it's part of the day. So it's a one hour workout. And then, you know, it also takes in consideration that we're going to be hiking. We're going to probably still going to run trail run on top of that or our hike or, or, you know, cut in line or whatever project we got going on. So, but, but a year round program like that, that's sustainable for the long term. So I'm on my second year of doing it. And, and, uh, you know, I'll talk a little bit more and a little bit about how it works with, with the crew and, and how consistent you can actually be at work, which, which isn't, of course, as consistent as you'd like, but, uh, but no, so that's kind of the, the idea behind that, uh, prep and defend. And so originally, you know, I was just really passionate and interested about fitness and I was like, Oh, I want to make this stuff and get people to do it. Um, but now I think I'm, I'm, you know, I don't want to really be a, a, just a personal trainer. You know, I would really like to get with like the PT leaders and even some agencies, you know, in the future, just on, on just sharing kind of what's worked and hasn't worked what I found. And especially when you got somebody like a guy like uh, Fernando Montez out there kind of preaching the same message for accountability and, and coming at things with a, with a plan and a purpose. And, and I can answer that even to him, every, you know, if he ever, hits me up and, Hey, why are you doing that today? Why are you having the guys do that today? You know, I, I can explain it of course, because I made it, you know, <laughs> and if anybody makes their program, then of course they can explain why they're doing what they're doing. But, uh, but th yeah, that, that's kind of, uh, what I've been programming and where I've gone more along the lines of like the tactical athlete, because it, that's the consistent message between not only yourself, but 
Fernando and Dr. Harrell. I mean, we are tactical athletes and the way you're setting it up too, it's, it is kind of like a fight camp. You know, you got your, uh, your big bout, you're going to train hard on your fight camp during the winter and the spring, then you're going to maintain, you know, during the summer, you just, yeah, you don't want to overtrain, but you also want to find that balance to where you're keeping your gains, so to speak. So it makes sense what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, that's what I'm going after, you know, and, and I tweak it every year and, and just kind of seeing, you know, when the workouts come around, like, okay, maybe that wasn't exactly, I'd like to, my intention was a little bit more of, of this versus that or, or whatever. So I'm constantly working with it, but, but I try to come up with something too, that can be done, uh, you know, at facilities with minimal equipment. Um, and like you said, tackle athlete, uh, I really, I really do a lot of um, sandbag work, try to do, try to incorporate that cause they're cheap and you can make them for any facility and camp for just about nothing. Like the, you know, and, the brute force training bags. I've been yeah, looking at that, those. Well, I, I have a lot of those at home and I actually, that's my, my favorite brand. Actually, I like brute force, but it, for like a training Academy that we just finished, uh, we just made them. They look like Tootsie rolls basically, but we took just green duffel bags and, uh, there's a whole bunch of rubber mulch wood chips and we just clamped both ends down with some zip ties and duct tape. So it looks like a big kind of Tootsie roll. Uh, so those are our handles in, and everybody had one for the, for the training class and we were able to, to do our stuff. So, you know, and that was like 35 people. So nice. You, you can outfit a lot of folks with the, you know, with sandbags and then the type of work, like you said, tactical athlete. Uh, I said that, you know, in the fall, I focus on strength, but it, it's definitely everything we're doing is well-rounded. So it still has all kind of different, different points of conditioning. There's always like a Metcon long duration cardio runs, hikes, pack hikes. You know, I program all that stuff in there too, so that, um, you can log it and, and kind of keep track of your time and see where you're at. You can but, mark um, progress too. That's another thing that's important. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, yeah, again, just trying to be keeping it well-rounded, but, but trying to make it where it's actually something you can, you can do either at your garage gym or, or, uh, you know, at work, just kind of making it work. Yeah. Um, and then you, you brought up another good point that I'd like to touch on too was, was testing. So that was another reason, another thing on, so in between each cycle, we do two weeks of testing. And, um, of course we're going to test the strength parameters because we're going to use those, <clears throat> whatever you test out at, you know, on your, your squat and your deadlift, you know, we're, we're doing percentage based strength training. Yeah. It sets a foundation for the rest of your like one RPM maxes and all that's that stuff. right. Yeah. So that's how we, that's how we established that. And with a, I started out doing one rep and then I was like, uh, that's too heavy. I don't really feel good about newer people doing that. And then two rep, but I think, uh, five reps is kind of the, the, like a sweet spot with that. So we test out at five reps. If someone's an experienced lifter, they can, they can go to their one rep when we test. So right now, currently I'm on a two week retest cycle. So, so the tests that we do are, are strength and conditioning. So we have a bunch of conditioning tests that we do as well over a couple of weeks. So similar, one of them, similar to like a Murph, like body weight, but long duration, uh, some sprint work, you know, some rows or some belly sprints or, 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 but just a well-rounded assessment test for a couple of weeks. And we do that before and after each cycle. And again, that that's huge for, for testing your strength senior where you're at. So you know how much weight to put on the barbell each person. And yeah, you're not going to like load yourself up and overtrain right. or, or hurt yourself even worse. Right. Right. You're trying to get the, the right stimulus, but without, you know, you want to go too light. You don't want to go too heavy, but, but to give you something to work off of. So that's how we, we test that stuff out. And then even, um, on the conditioning, you know, just seeing, seeing, you know, then you have numbers. And, and when you're asked by, 
your agency or, or anybody else that wants to ask why you're doing what you're doing, you can actually have some numbers, you know, and, and look at it. And, and that's even the fun part too. And you know, guys are competitive and then those tests, oh, yeah. you know, they either want to beat their old time or, or beat each other. But, you know, I'm really competitive with myself, just trying to, as I get older, you know, just trying to see how long I can hang on to some of this stuff. Um, so no, that, that part's fun. I enjoy the testing and then I see where I'm at. I can see what's working, what's not, not working. Uh, but that, that is a huge part of your training. If you're not testing yourself, um, you know, throughout the year, how can you really know what you're getting better at or worse at? You know, you're not, you can't improve everything all the time. There's going to be these cycles and flows and, you know, different things happen, injuries and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, but yeah, you, you have to continually do that. And then when people ask you, at least you have some data or some kind of, Hey, here's what we're working on. Here's how we've been doing. That's a funny thing too, though, because I, I forget that Montez had a, a really good quote on that episode. It's uh, something along the lines of, uh, yeah, if you're doing what you're doing, well, okay, that's cool. But for the rest of you, bring data. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, that's him. Yeah, he, he's huge on data. You, uh, you need data. And then, and that is, and that would be something like, say you're, you're a PT leader and you're trying to get stuff going at, at your agency, but maybe you need some equipment if you don't have any data or numbers and you just want it and you're just asking, there's no way somebody's even going to really probably give you the audience to even discuss it. But if you can come with, Hey, here's where we started. Here's what we did. And I didn't get anybody hurt. Um, you know, I, I then they kind of, Oh, Hey, you're actually working on something. You're, you're, you're being mindful and you're, you're actually keeping track of some stuff. You know, you're putting out the effort. Let me see what I can do. Let me see what I can get you. What, what do you need? You know, I, I think that helps open the door for discussion when you come, with some data and, 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 and this whole thing of having a plan and a program as opposed to random workouts. I think that's, that's part of a, part of the benefit of that, especially when you're trying to be a leader and, and bring it to your agency. Oh yeah. And that's another thing too, is like you mentioned something earlier about, you know, being a leader in your agency and now you, your ultimate end goal is to kind of change policy and really kind of talk to other agencies, the forest service, the the municipal departments, whoever's in the wildland game and really change policy because let's be honest here. I think that the pack test is kind of bullshit. Oh, no doubt. I mean, yeah, that's for sure. That's the, and, and that's something else that I talk about too, is that whole minimum standard. That is a minimum standard for somebody to step into base camp. You know, as far as I'm concerned, you know, somebody yeah. that congratulations, civilian, you can put Nomex on. Right. Someone's a civilian that's, a, that's like, okay, if, if everything were to fail and we needed you to walk up this, you know, low out this driveway, could you do it? You know, and that's the test. That's the minimum standard, but, but testing for the minimum standard, that definitely getting to get folks in trouble. If you're the person on crew where you're the minimum standard, if you're not if good you're sick, yeah, you're already holding everybody back. Right. And now if you're sick or if you're tweaked an ankle or you're just not feeling it that day, whatever, you're I mean, fatigued. you're, you're, you're holding back the crew and you're putting everybody's safety at risk, you know, depending on the situation you're in. So that's definitely, uh, something I really kind of talk to and, and, and preach, if you will, is just to just crush and exceed the minimum standard. Because if you're always just trying to meet that minimum standard and you hang out there, like I said, you're, you're never going to meet, meet the challenge when, when you're not feeling it. But if you train real high, if you're always just training to so far surpass the minimum standard that even on those days when you're, when you're hurt or not feeling it, you're still going to be with the crew. You're not holding anybody back. Yeah. You're not gapping out on the hike or anything or the run, or if you guys are doing like a, a crew run or paced out run or something like that, you're not gapping out. Right. Right. That's uh, yeah. You're not holding anybody back because you're, you're, you're training to that higher standard. 
Yeah. And that's a funny thing though, is like, how do, how do we change policy? Because I, I think that the, some of the standards, like the, the lowest common denominator, which is the pack test is laughably low. How do we go about changing national policy about this? You know, in, in a, and I don't really have, I, I can just tell you what I've seen work. And that would be like, you had Mr. Montez on your show. He's, he's somebody, I mean, it's just not something that, that I've gone around and like studied, like in the whole country, you know, but I've seen an agency that the pack test is the standard and that's all they have because that, that is, that's the wildland standard. So you can't just invent, you know, there's a whole personnel department. You can't just make up your own test and yeah, hold people to a standard that's going to get you know you sued or something like that. But someone like Mr. Montez, he takes that pack test and says, okay, what's our VO2 max? Because I think I have a better test and he's been really big. And he talked about it on your show is the beep test. So the beep test is something that anybody's listening to this. You should try it. You can, you can, anybody can do it. Your whole crew to see where you're at. Uh, it's a shuttle run, 20 yard shuttle run. And you just follow along listening. It's on YouTube or you can download it. I'm sure there's an app for it, but you just follow the beeps. When it beeps, you run and you just shuttle back and forth and it increases the pace until you can't keep up anymore. And then there's a, uh, however far you get that tells you your VO two max. Well, uh, like Mr. Montez, you know, nine level nine, six, that's the minimum. And so at his agency on top of the pack test being a requirement, he, he also was able using VO two max as a measurement, which they've already established. And, you know, he pulled data as what's the industry standard for firefighters, you know, what's their VO two max. And, you know, he, he made that test more valid for them to use. And, and now they actually use that test as on top of the practice. So they didn't, they didn't get rid of it. They just, they added another one that was maybe a better test. And, and that pack test is, it is, it does weed out quite a bit more people. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's, it's not an easy one. It's not just a, a walk, you know, you're gonna have to push yourself to see, to see where you're at. And, um, so th that's one way that I've seen that I've seen is just again, through that data. Um, but, but having a better option, I think that's, that's probably a lot of it too, is people, you know, a lot of people want to complain about tons of things, but they don't provide an alternative. You have to put in a little bit of work or, or do a briefing sheet for somebody or, you know, somebody that whoever wants to be about it, you're just good. You can't just complain about it and say it's terrible and you need to get rid of it. Well, what, what do you have that's better and how will that satisfy like the powers that be? It's like, don't come to me with problems unless you've got answers, right. Or solutions. Right. Yeah. Right. What do you got? What do you got? What, what, what can we do that's better? If you're just like, uh, you know, no one's going <laughs> to just drooling, no staring off that. in the distance, thousand yard yeah. stare. So yeah, looking like he had a stroke or something. <laughs> so VO two max though, um, for those that are listening that don't know what a VO two max is, can you, can you explain that? Yeah. So that's just, uh, you know, there, there's, it's, it's your ability to, you know, synthesize oxygen and, and per, continue to do work, you know, when you're, you basically, your muscles are outrunning what your body can supply at some point. And everybody has that threshold, that, that marker. And it's typically measured in VO2 max. And you know, they can do it on a treadmill. They can hook you up to, to hoses where they're, they're like checking the out your, your thing. exhaled. Yeah. Your exhaled gases to see when you're actually truly hitting it on a computer or there's several tests out there. And, and the mile and a half run is another one that I know a lot of hotshot crews use the mile and a half run kind of as a marker you know, for a mile and a half runtime, you know, to, to be on the crew, something to shoot for while it may not be a condition of employment, it's well known, you know, before you go to work there, that that's kind of, that's, that's what you need to be hitting. And so you need to be training for that, but that, that's what that VO two max is. So it's a threshold, you know, that you can sustain work without having to stop 
and they put a number value on it. And, uh, you know, so that 44, 45 kind of area is kind of where it is for firefighters. And, uh, so there, there's, there's several tests out there you can use to test that. Okay. Yeah. That's another thing that the, uh, BLM usually does. The Bureau of Land Management does is they have the, uh, fitness challenge. Have you, have you seen that? It's a one and a half mile run. Yeah. It's a one and a half mile run. Uh, and you get three minute break or no seven minute breaks in between each event. So it's one and a half mile run followed by pull-ups. Uh, I think the max there is 25, 25 pull-ups. That's it. That's like the goal to get to body weight pull-ups. Then you get push-ups and then sit-ups. And I think push-ups are 125 and sit-ups are 150. And you have three minutes to do each event, uh, except for the mile and a half run, of course. And they give you a score. Yeah. And it's a a perfect score is like a, an eight minute mile or eight minute mile and a half, a 25, 125 and 150 respectively. So that's a perfect score. If you can hit all those numbers, it's a 400. That's like your score. Oh yeah. I mean, that, that sounds, I mean, that sounds like a very valid test. I mean, you're, you're actually moving and working and, and, you know, having to push yourself. Um, so yeah, it it is the, the pack test. Like, I don't think anyone would argue that it's, you know, that it's a valid test, but it's, but definitely, um, some work to be done. And the, the folks in those agencies, you know, contact a guy like Montez. He's, he's really helpful. Uh, you know, he'll, he'll kind of maybe get you in the right direction. I know the wheels would turn quite a bit slower, probably on the federal side than any other agency, just cause it's so large and, and the and big, mean, big mean That's machine it. of bureaucracy right there. That's for yeah, sure. That would, that would be rough, but, but you know, it's a starting point and, and a discussion and, um, you know, it is a lot different also for, for all of our, our federal folks, because, you know, there's not a, you're not in a union worker, you know what I mean? There's, so there's really, it's hard. There's not a lot of advocates out there for you pounding the table and saying, this is what my workers demand. And this is what we need to do. We need to bargain for this. We need a valid test. So, so it is hard. It's just on, on the, on the employees, unfortunately. Yeah. And that's the thing though. It's like, don't get me wrong here. Um, I, I do realize I'm not naive to the fact that once you get into the game, the pack test might be hard, but you know, top level athletes like your IHCs or your, your smoke jumpers. I mean, that takes years of development unless you're just some natural genetic stud that's walking into the game, but you know, a walk on NFL player is, Oh yeah. is got a rare sure. form of course, but that's a, that's a harsh reality though, is this stuff just takes years to develop and years to build. And once you get there, you have to maintain it and improve. Yeah, And I, and I think, I mean, it's not dangerous to have people, you know, do the pack test. It's just, I think it's just misleading for folks that are, are truly that, that kind of a minimum person or entry level where they're like, Oh, I thought that's all I really had to do. But I mean, you don't really have to, you don't have to talk to very many people to figure out that that's not what you're training to. And, and you've talked about that before with a lot of your other guests on, on, you know, what we're, what the job really about with the train force. So, so yeah, there's a, there's a higher standard and we, we all know that, it, that it's there and, and we're going to have to, push it and, and hold it for a lot of years, you know, and it's not just a, like a one-time deal. Yeah. It's like the unwritten rules of firefighting pretty much. Um, but you want the thing that really does concern me and I've seen, I've seen this a lot over the years is overtraining and us killing people in the field during PT, man. What yeah, the hell no, is all that about? That's, no, it, it's, it's huge. And it's because, um, you know, and, and I, you know, just being acclimated to it, like we can do it, you know, cause we're just used to it. That's what we do. But there is like when there people are first coming in, um, you know, there's, there is a lot of rhabdo, uh, cases like, you know, I'm, I'm involved in, in our training, um, when we hire folks and every time they're going to the hospital, fortunately, 
you know, there's been nobody that that's continually, you know, that that's been wrecked for life, but they're always worried. Anytime someone goes to the hospital, we're like, Oh man, is that guy, how bad is he? Is did he just wreck his kidneys? You know, it's like, how bad is this going to get? Cause like you said, people, people have died, you know, here in Southern California, it was a couple of years ago. These guys were training for a crew with each other. I mean, they were off duty, not part, part of the, the uh, agency that they were trying to get on, but still somebody died, you know, training, uh, when, when someone's unacclimated, they got to have a, an on-ramp to just work up to that activity. And that's what we see in the training a lot is they just come unprepared and there's nothing you can do to help them. If they're unprepared and if they don't want it enough or they didn't want it enough coming through the door, there's nothing you can do to give that to them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they just have to, they have, they have that determination to, to get through it. And, to, but to also know their own throttle and to be safe because someone who's never felt that kind of pain and, and, and what their body's doing when they're tired. And, you know, the thing that we just call work, if somebody's never had that before, they don't know. And, and we're telling them, come on, let's go. You can do this. And they'll push right past it. And they'll just, you know, I mean, who knows, you know, that's when people can get hurt. So, yeah, you know, it is up to us to kind of, uh, you know, be able to educate and make sure we, we keep people safe and, but, and to provide a, a way for them to, to do this safely. Yeah. Speaking of the rhabdo thing, I mean, how many cases, like coming to think about it, how many cases of rhabdo do you think go undiagnosed? Because I, I swear to God, man, I did a pull up pyramid one time and I was just, all right, let's go do a pull up pyramid. And my arms were swollen. I felt like shit for like a week and it's, it was like painful, man. So, oh, and I never went to the doctor or anything like that. I was like, Oh fuck, I'm just sore. You know? Well, that's the thing. We just never go to the doctor. Cause you know, I was working out with another foreman and there was a lot of pull ups and he so happened. He has his physical either that week or, or, you know, a couple of days later or that day or whatever. But, but yeah, he kind of threw up a little bit of markers on his kidney. They were kind of asking him, they had to retest him and all this. And then he comes back. He's like, dude, I got rhabdo from working out with you guys. <laughs> but like you said, I mean, we might be living, we, that, that might be where we live, but we don't even know we're not getting our blood work done. I mean, come on. I mean, I don't even know. I've thought about this lots of times, but what would your blood work even look like if you came off the line, just eating smoke and ash for couple weeks if they were to draw your blood i mean who even knows what 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 they would say you know who knows what's in there i'm sure it looked like shit that's for sure especially with all the co man that we take in every day and like all the particulate matter that we're inhaling into our lungs that and the extreme fatigue the lack of sleep the shitty food i mean we're we're not really doing good stuff to our body during fire season but we have an opportunity to recover sometimes in the winter yeah and, and that's why this whole topic that we're talking about, you know, it's like, we're living in, you know, in the white pages on the IRPG, like I say, you know, the the human factors, you know, it's like, it is that, that, and and like Dr. Harrell, you know, with this human resilience project, it's that recovery and resilience side, you know, what can we do to be able to, to be resilient against the, it, this job is, is such a huge stressor, but it's really the resilience, not just with that stressor, but it's everything else. Everybody's got going on in their everyday in real life. And you know, financial and, and relationships and all this stuff, it's all stress, right? So yeah. there's a, there's a resiliency aspect. So anything you can do, that's going to put you ahead in the game that you can do smarter and not harder. I I'm definitely guilty. I, I do not take care of my body the way that I should, you know, on, on the rehab side. So I, I feel like, Oh, I don't have time for that. You know, I just got to get to the workout. All right, now let's move on. Let's get to the next thing. And, but, but no, there's absolutely something to be said for that. And that's why I'm thankful for the guys that are out there that are, are preaching that message. You know, I, I kind of like to talk more of the workout stuff, you know, and the, the, that's what I nerd out on and I enjoy the programming side and, and the PT side, but, uh, but definitely that, that resilience is, is always in my mind. And, and even on my programming, I'm, 
I'm mindful of that. And that's why, like, I have a whole three month cycle where I'm just going to back off the weight, you know, for, for a bit and, and, and get better at moving and range of motion and breathing because I know we're going to go right back on it. And I still got another 12 years to go in my career. And that's the thing too. There's like a a lot of school of people are in school of thought of like, there's no such thing as overtraining. There's only such thing as under recovery. No, definitely. I, I, I think there is, there's so much you can do to recover that would trump any nutrition or, you know, there's so many dudes that are out of control on the whole pre-workout thing. Like they can't even work out unless they got their pre-workout or something. And they're doing all these things to try to get jacked up to be able to work out, but yet do not a thing, you know, on the, on the recovery side. And, and yeah, the, the amount of rest you get and the, the nutrition that you're getting would, would by far you get more gains than, than just getting yourself jacked up before work. Yeah. Instead of doping up on like, <laughs> was that L-carnitine or what's the stuff that makes you tingly? Like makes you, uh, Oh yeah. All that stuff. That's yeah, just, the, it's the, garbage. The L-carnitine, yeah. Just getting like banged up. <laughs> Shotgunning a bang before you go on a trail run. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. You talk about rabdo. Uh, Holy shit. Yeah. Man. My heart feels funny. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're just about in VTAC. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing though. I mean, it's, it's that, that app adapting and overcoming, you know, training to sport specific things and also taking like personal accountability too. If you're not well rested or well recovered and you got personal things that you need to work on, say you got like a shoulder deficiency or something like that. How do you like bring that up as far as presenting that to your overhead? I mean, sometimes you don't get the option to do that unless it's by yourself. Yeah. And and that is something too, as a, as a PT leader to be mindful of, because you know, it's like, I, like if I'm there leading PT, it's like a, you know, like a, like going to a, a workout session someplace like, you know, I'll kind of brief on what we're doing, talk to the movements, you know, I'm kind of, I'm there as a coach and, and but you got to create that, that atmosphere of if somebody says, Hey, I don't think I can do that. Cause I have this, you know, something else that they can substitute, but still participate. Cause I, I really, it's huge. The participation for me, like as a crew, like they were all, you know, that shared suffering and, and going oh, yeah. through it together. I mean, that's, that's something I, I love about our wildland being able to work with, you know, crews is doing that, you know, you don't get that in the station. You know, you've got a couple, couple folks, but, um, so getting, getting just uh, an atmosphere where people can ask questions and tell you if they're dinged up and letting, but letting them recover, you know, if somebody's got, you know, a bad shoulder or having them sub out for something and making them not feel like they're going to, they have to wreck their shoulder just to beat somebody else on the workout that day you know, that's not, that's not beneficial long-term and that's how you're going to get people hurt. And that's how you're going to get the, whatever Liberty you have for your PT, you know, it, it can get yanked if you're tearing people up. Oh yeah. And that's the thing too, is you gotta be careful. You gotta be mindful. I think is what it is. You gotta be really mindful and really aware of what's going on with your crew. Like if they're deficient in one area, okay, train that area. But if they're lacking something, you can just tell their beat the shit, like back off, be aware. Oh yeah. And, 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 and really a lot of onus. It's, it's, it's good. I, I, I try to kind of create that atmosphere, you know, um, sometimes maybe, I don't know, it comes off as like a drill instructor type, like, Hey, this is what we're doing. But a lot of it is, is onus on the, on the individual though, right? Like you gotta, you, you need to take ownership of yourself and your body. Like I tell folks when they first step through the door on getting hired, you know, usually at some point I'll have a talk with them like, Hey, the job and the career that you've chosen to enter, you've chosen to ride that body of yours for a paycheck for 30 years. So you better, some of these things I go, you may, if we're working out over 30 years, you should probably invest some time learning how to move, learning how to recover, learn how to fix yourself. It's kind of on you. Like you're going to do this no matter what. So why not 
figure some of this out. You know, we drill on, on so many things as we should, you know, on the objective hazards on the fire line and things like that. But when it comes to something that we're doing every day, which is like PT and, and, and running, working, you know, like, yeah, working, um, you know, even on the running side, there's a lot of people that, you know, they got horrible trash form on running and they're doing it. You're going to do this every day. And if you're going to be a career guy, you're going to do this for your whole career, you know, running two, three times a week at least. And you better figure something out to be able to do it that long, or you'll be, you know, you're going to be crippled if you ever even make it to retirement. So, Oh, absolutely. But there's, there's a lot of onus on the individual, I think on, on taking themselves seriously to me, I, I, I call it like, be, you know, be a pro. If this is your job and your profession then be a pro and, and start to be mindful and get good at, at what it is we're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think it takes a lot more balls to speak up and say something like, Hey, I'm not feeling like my shoulders, like my shoulders messed up. I think it takes a lot more balls to say that than to just suffer through an exercise, man. Yeah, no, for sure. It does. And you're going to get razzed for it no matter what, you know, yeah. it's like, well, how'd you hurt it? You know, oh, what a, you're an idiot, you know, because it's not, it's never a cool story, you know? No, it's always it's something, something dumb. Stupid. It's yeah. always, well, something I'm dumb. kind of embarrassed to say, you know, but no, but yeah, bottom line, you got to speak up and, 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 but still it, but you, you know, even if you're, you got like an ankle injury or something, we, we got to, you got to get it better, you know, so we're, we're just not going to grind it to mush. Uh, we'll see what we can do to, if we, you know, we got a lull and we're not going on fires for a little bit, then, you know, let's get it better. But like you said, it, it's, it's hard. We're, we're all, we're all type A's usually on, on our crews, you know, we're, most folks are, are hard chargers and, and we're competitive. And I can, I can definitely say for myself personally, I still, when I got a tweak or a bang, my, my mindset is just like walk it off and, you know, it'll buff out. Like maybe I'll just increase the blood flow to that area by doing the workout still, whether it's a back or whatever, you know, I'm like, no, I'm good. Cause it's worked every single time I've ever done that. I just kept going and I'm still working. So it must be, it must be right. You know, so I, I'm definitely guilty of that as well, but, but I, but I still do. I, I know when I know when I'm really hurt and when I'm really not. So that's the thing too. I don't know how you feel about this, but, or if you guys have just a different program, if like, your recovery time is on your off time. You have to take care of that yourself. But I started, uh, when I was doing my PT program, um, I started doing recovery programs like lightweight stuff like that. I shit. I even like did a ton of homework and put on a running clinic for a couple of folks on the crew that were, um, not very good runners, like poor form, you know, they're going to get hurt and they're getting hurt and they're getting shin splints and all this shit. So I think that, you know, being as a fitness leader, I think that's important to maybe implement some of those. If you have the option to implement some of those uh, recovery and those educational things as well, like a running clinic or whatever. Yeah, no. And that's, that's huge. You know, it is, it is like, cause most folks, you'll never even talk about it. Like on my own, I decided, you know, about eight years ago, you know, I got into like the minimal running and just looking at it for longevity and, you know, checking stuff out and, and seeing that, Oh yeah, maybe, maybe I'm not running the best way. Let me try this out. And then, you know, it worked for me and I'm, I've been injury free, fortunately too. You know, I, I consider myself, you know, like one of the, the more harder chargers, you know, of, of what I'm doing at, at my rank, but I've been able to stay healthy. And, and that's, that's the goal really is, you know, I, I yeah, I want to have fun. I still want to be able to push the younger guys and, and kind of hang with them when I can, but I, I want to do it for a long time and without getting hurt. And that's something I'm, I'm very proud of the fact that I've never been off on injury. Um, yeah. And that doesn't mean, you know, something can't happen to today and, you know, and I'm not there, but, um, but that, but, but that kind of dispels sometimes the pushback from older, not engaged folks would be, you know, I'm not going to do that cause I'm going to get hurt. 
Mm-hmm. That's always you know, the fear though. That's, that's the thing is like yeah. when you start throwing the word CrossFit, especially into your PT programming, people get mm-hmm. scared. They lock down. They're like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. I'm going to get hurt. Yeah. And, and like you said, it's a as education thing where it's just kind of a, um, you know, like, like misinformation and, and, but like, you know, when it comes to range of motion, you know, if you're doing like a pistol squat or something, for example, you know, and somebody's like, Oh, there's no way, man, you're just going to tear up your knee. You know, I, I think that's something that you should be working on as a one-legged squat. You know, you're climbing up and down rocks and, oh, and yeah. you know, with a, with a pack on underweight and, 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 you know, my, my approach and what I tell them is I go, no, you're going to get in that position when you don't plan on it. So if you can, if you can work towards that and be comfortable and a little bit in control, doing it on your own and own that range of motion, then when you're forced into that position, you got a lower risk of, of getting injured. Yeah. And that's the thing though, is like, you're lucky. You're one of the fortunate ones to not experience injury or have like messed themselves up. I'm sure you've had like minor injuries just like anybody else, but like a major injury. And I think it's a, a, a combination of luck, education, and strength, man. That's, that's what it is. I think you got to be one of the lucky ones to not experience injury, but also you got to be, I don't know, kind of smart about the way you're going about things, you know, educate yourself and also have an element of luck. Cause some people just, oh, no, yeah. it's definitely luck. Like it's definitely luck. I mean, you know, I've had a couple things where luckily no, nothing was ever surgery, but I mean, I was on the floor with my back actually thinking for a couple of days, like, all right, what am I going to do for work now? I'm going to have to figure this out. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I going to do? Am I going to go back to school? I'm at the, you know, like, cause I thought, I thought that was it. I thought I wrecked something, but no, you're right. It's definitely, uh, um, you know, we, we want to be smart, but you can't, you cannot account for that unpredictable, um, the situations that are just going to tear you up or, or hurt yourself. And even me, when I get, when I get really tweak something or really injure something, it's, it's never usually working out because I'm ready. I'm prepared. I'm mindful of what I'm doing. It's like stepping off the rig, right? I stepped in a hole that I couldn't see. And now my mm-hmm. knee is freaking swollen, you know, or something like that. Like I said, man, it's always the dumb little stuff that hurts you. <laughs> it's yeah, stepping exactly. in a gopher hole, like fire camp because you can't see off the step. Simple as that, yep. man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Never a cool story. Usually. Well, sometimes maybe, sometimes like it's cool but yeah, no, you're, you're right. And, uh, but you know, being mindful that you're, you're trying to do this, this stuff that we're doing, which is extremely arduous and would just grind, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't even want to do this, you know, work that we oh, yeah. do, right. I mean, it's, it's, we're, we're like a certain class of people that choose to do it. Like even, even where I work in my agency, like you don't have to work in the brush and, and there's a lot of people that want nothing to do with it because of the, the hardships and the work ethic that's involved, like that's just not their bag. Right. They're not all about that. So, you know, we're, we're, we're a different breed. We push ourselves probably a lot of times that we shouldn't. Um, but also we, we thrive on that. At least, at least I, I know myself and the teams I've been involved with on that team shared suffering. And when we're not getting it on fires, you know, and you're fortunate enough to PTA at a, at a station or a camp, that's when, you know, you still get that for that day. You kind of scratch that, that itch. Oh yeah. And that's the thing, man. It's that cohesion thing that it, it builds. I mean, a lot of, well, who's one mentor of mine, I'm not going to mention his name cause he doesn't want to mention on the, on the podcast, but he's <laughs> <laughs> good dude. He's uh he's moving up in the world. But anyways, one of his uh, famous lines that he told me is that that cohesion is built on PT on the PT field and over beers after work. That's typically oh, what, yeah. <laughs> what it is, man. No, for sure. No, it, definitely. You know, it's that same, it's the same thing as high five and after a fire or something like that time. Oh, oh yeah. man, that was crazy. That was sketchy. That one part or this and that you, it's that same kind of a, a, a rush. A lot of times, or at least you get everybody talking about the same thing that was difficult. 
Um, and you build those bonds, you know, who your go-tos are and you learn about yourself, you know, where you can push and, and what you're capable of when you didn't think you were. And if other, if someone else is pushing at you know, Oh yeah, man. You definitely learn about yourself, especially when you're, you know, presented with a very hostile environment or you're getting your oh, ass yeah. kicked in PT and then you go and like hang out with your boys afterwards or your, your, your friends, you know, and it just all kind of comes together and it makes this big, perfect storm of cohesion. And that becomes your fire family, man. That is your second family. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. I mean, like my wife says all the time, she knows about the guys that I work with that they're like, she's like, those are your brothers, you know, those, oh, those yeah. are like, cause she knows like, you know, how we take care of each other and families and we, you know, we get together off duty and, and things like that. But no, it, it's that, oh, it's that, it's that bond for sure. And, uh, even, you know, back to even on my days when I was, you know, on a hotshot crew, I still, I, I'm really fortunate. I, I get to work in the same area that, uh, that I was on the hotshot crew. So the guys that I was on crew with, they're now, you know, superintendents and battalion chiefs on the same forest that I get to see them. And, and, you know, we've seen each other for like a long time and, and, um, that part is really fun and, and cool as well. Get to, well, it's, it's, it's just funny though, cause you get to go bro it up with your friends and you see them like moving up to the ranks and, uh, Oh yeah. It's a small world too. Like oh, definitely. it's a super small world and power of networking too. Like you Absolutely. never know who you're going to run into or work for or be, you know, in charge of it. You just never know. No, it is. It's all about those connections. And, and what I, what I'm noticing too, that, you know, this part, like my last third of my career, you know, 20, 20 years on or so, is, you know, I've accumulated some things, you know, and experience, but it's about sh sharing that stuff. And, and that's what I'm, you know, that's why I'm talking to the folks today and, and on the podcast is just trying to, you know, my way, my way is not the only way, but, uh, but just sharing what I have picked up with, with those and the perspective, the unique perspective that you don't really pick up on, especially when you're young and just getting on crew and things like that. Um, that you can, you know, share some, some skills, the perspective and, and, and just that, that stuff that that'll, carry on for, you know, for other folks live that mentoring, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. So speaking of mentoring, what do you got for mentoring? You wanted to go over the mentoring thing and I know you do a lot of yeah. fitness and leadership mentoring. So what, what do you all about there? Well, so on the mentoring side and that's what, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really thankful, you know, just for the, the people that have been able to reach out just as a result of, you know, being tagged and shared just on, on your Instagram and stuff. But, uh, is, uh, you know, now it's really busy with fire season and things. I don't get to do it as much as I'd like, but in the off season, uh, there, there's, there's two types of folks that I really like to mentor. And that's the ones that are first coming into the wildland. You know, they have questions on like, well, what should, kind of boots should I get? Do I, I need to say boots. Do I need, <laughs> yeah. Should I bring a pack? You know, those kinds of things like they just don't know. Right. Um, but the fact that they're reaching out tells me that they're someone who's engaged and cares. Right. So Passionate, I, yeah. I, 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 I like to try to help the entry level folks. And then also I'm, I'm, you know, the guys that I work with, they're all, most, all of them are trying to be municipal firefighters. Right. So trying to, to just help help folks uh, along the way with that, any, any information or, or mentorship that I can provide. I try to do that. Like this winter was, you know, it was all about zoom meetings. Right. So yeah. maybe I, I had a couple of times where I'd get to do zoom meetings with people that just wanted to hear about, you know, the, the entry level stuff. Right. Uh, what to expect when they're going on a crew, how to train, you know, for, for when the seasons get ready to start up. Well, now the season's in full swing and, and everybody's doing their thing. They're I'm, kind of figuring it out and what it's all about. Yeah, no, yeah. of course. And then the other group that I, that I'm like starting to mentor and working with as well as, is those people that are, have the same passions as, as myself on the fitness side of things like, okay, we love the brush. We love the wildland. And, 
but but the, they want to be like the PT leaders or they are the PT leaders. And they're like, oh, hey, you're leading PT and I lead in PT. What can we learn from each other? What's working for you? What's not working? Hey, like, like with me, I have... I haven't seen a, a lot of other people out there that, you know, have like a wildland specific year round cycle, you know, and that's kind of what I, what I preach and I, I'm kind of about, and I, I'm happy to share that information with folks and why I set it up like that. Like, like I've talked about on today's show, but, um, but as I even transition on through my career, even after I leave my agency and, and my contract is up with the, with the department I'm with, you know, I, I think that path's not going to go away. I'm, I'm still going to, just be passionate about wildland firefighting and the PT side and the physical training side. So, um, you know, but, but working more with those PT leaders and even agencies on just, you know, because being able to be a part in, of what I've done, uh, and helped it with on our training academies and, um, you know, just leading PT in our groups at, at our camps and things. So, you know, just, just some insight and stuff, but those are the, the two groups. So entry level folks, and then the, the PT leaders are the, are, are the ones that, or any agency folks that, uh, you know, just would like in the winter time, you know, and I know, uh, Dr. Harrell, you know, he kind of feels the same way. Just wanted to get his message out there, you know, even maybe at a district level in the winter time when I'm less busy, you know, I wouldn't mind coming out and just kind of just, if, if anybody, wants to hear anything on what we're doing for PT or what's, what I, what's worked and not worked, you know, that, that kind of stuff on the, on the resilience and, and long-term um, health of the, of the workforce kind of stuff. So. Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing, man, is like the healthier you are, the more longevity you're going to have. You, you referred to that a bunch of times, like several times during the episode, but yeah, the more healthy you are, whether that be with fitness, nutrition, just taking care of yourself. Yeah, you're gonna last a long time. You you ride your body for like you said, twenty years, and oh, yeah. well, if something goes wrong, well, you're you're pretty much shit out of luck unless yeah, you can get like a dispatch job <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Um, no, I mean, and so so yeah, that that's kind of just mentoring and growing as that, and, and still just pushing myself. You know, I, I've just always, uh, you know, I'm in school right now, trying to just I like to get my bachelor's degree just for later on, um, you know, might might use it sometime because I do love teaching and I enjoy that. But, you know, even at some kind of academies or, or any kind of programs, a lot of times you, you got to have a degree. They don't even care what it is. Mm -hmm. They just, you just have to have one to step in the door and even talk to their people. So, you know, maybe the, if I like to teach and train and talk to people, then that's something, you know, I'm kind of working on taking care of right now as well. No, that's a good thing, man. And that's another thing that uh, a lot of people have brought up too, especially Chase. He was like, yeah, you know what, man, you should have a backup plan in case your body does fall apart. So having an education or some other, you know, just, uh, you don't have to like rely on it, but something to fall back mm -hmm. on in case you do get injured or something happens. Yeah. No, and I think, you know, for me, I was able to kind of at least start working on my passion only recently. You know, I was always just, just like all of us, like we're workers, right? We work, yeah. we get paid by the hour. So you know, you just kind of get like, that's who I am. And that's my role. And I, I'm a, I'm a worker and I am proud of my work ethic and the things that I've been able to accomplish by working hard. But, but at some point it was like, I started kind of asking myself, well, what do I really like to do? And what are my passions? And, and for me, it was like, again, like the, the wildland and the fitness side. So tying those two together is kind of given me like a little more, um, less stress relief really, you know, and, and pursuing, pursuing a passion that I have, but, but for, for or any folks like your fallback, if you just figure out what it is that you really dig and you're passionate about, if you ever had to, and something happens, you get hurt, you know, I think you'd be able to make ends meet by just, just doing that, you know, finding a way, especially now there's so many ways you can just blow things up if you're willing to just put the time in uh, on the stuff you enjoy doing. So, 
Oh yeah. Passion, man. That's what it's all about. But that's another thing too, man, is like you're mentoring right now. And like, that's another thing that's this, this whole podcast is about is everybody that's been on the show has been a mentor, whether they know it or not. There's literally thousands of other firefighters listening to this. And I deeply appreciate that, man. You guys are all mentors. Oh no, I'm, I'm glad to be named as one, you know, and, and, and really, you know, uh, just that, that's, that's really what I'm enjoying doing. Uh, you know, a lot of these days is just helping folks out. And even, you know, I got to tell you too, and just, I surprised I didn't mention it earlier, but I got two teen sons, you know, and they, you know, they say that they're kind of interested, uh, you know, in the fire stuff. And one of them, you know, it really is kind of interested in wildland. So everything that I'm telling folks, it's exactly what I'm telling my boys, like, you yeah. know, the, the work ethic side and how to prepare. It's like, Hey, you better want it on your own because I've seen so many people quit when they get on a crew or they get in an academy because it just gets a little bit hard. It's out. They, they didn't want it. Someone told them to do it. They showed up and it got really hard. And they're like, eh, I don't know if I want to do it, but, but this, that's the thing is I'm, I'm mentoring my kids, you know, and, and even on the fitness side, I get to work out with them and train with them, you know, in the garage, but the same stuff that I'm, I'm telling them are, are with my own children, you know, the stuff I'm sharing with, with folks, you know, when it comes to the perspective and things like that. So yeah, it's mentoring. Yeah, mentoring, consistent mentorship too. It's like, you're going to say the same exact thing to your kids as you're going to tell a uh, entry level firefighter or a fitness leader. Yeah, exactly. Oh, absolutely. So moving forward, man, where do we go from here? Where are you going from here? Well, for me, I guess, uh, you know, what I'd like to just try to, again, the, the wildland side, the reason I, I train for the wildland, even, and, and this would be, this is a wildland podcast and, and that's my passion, you know, as well. And that's why I get to talk to the folks that are listening to this, but um, even on the, you know, municipal side, you know, or people that are trying to do this just for a career, if they're just in fire, right. You know, they, they gotta, they gotta train, uh, and, and prepare physically. And the guys that are into it is, you know, I, I like to, to do what I'm doing with other folks, you know, and, uh, and just, again, just, just sharing that where I, where I go from here is, you know, I, like I said, I'm going to continue to move up through, through my agency and, and hopefully it lands me back in the wildland where I can just do the same job, but in a, in a higher capacity, you know, and each time you move up, you know, you get to kind of serve more for people and, and as opposed to them, you know, having people under you, but now you have more people that you can, you can share what you learned with. Right. So, so that's where I'm going from here is, is moving up on that professionally at work. And then on the, you know, the side hustle side or whatever on the programming, I, I really just do that as a hobby and for fun, but I, I'd like to get more folks like this winter at the end of fire season, any guys that are interested in, in uh, guys and gals that are jumping, want to jump on like some strength training. I'd like to do that together. Um, you know, if you're interested at the end of season and help you through it, if you're a PT leader, you know, they, I want them to hit me up uh, because I, I, I mean, everything is, is much better when you're not doing it by yourself and you got other folks involved. And then, and then I, and then we can continue to, to tweak this and, and see what's working and, and get more feedback. Cause I, I would like to have something eventually that has some, you know, momentum behind it and, and, and more data, like we're talking about, right? Yeah. Bring data, man. That's where it's at. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of which, um, how do one last final question for you, man, how do you think we're going to ultimately change the dynamic to make better firefighters? So to, to change the dynamic, I think how we're ultimately going to fix that is just people, uh, you know, in the community, um, knowing, knowing what, what their strengths are, you know, it, it, within the community and playing to those strengths, 
So, you know, someone, someone that's like, we're just talking about fitness on this one mostly, but you know, if, so, if, if that's not their deal, they're not going to be able to create any kind of lasting change or momentum, but everybody has their, their thing that they're going to be great at. You know, uh, you know, I, I miss a lot of the interpersonal stuff a lot because I'm just so focused on like, you know, task orientated, you know, that's kind of how I think, but I, but I think on moving forward is, is not being afraid. Uh, like, you know, Mate said on his podcast is, you know, the two things firefighters will complain about the way things are and, uh, you know, and change, change something. Yeah. Change. Right. <laughs> so you don't like either one, but, but we do got to take, you know, it, things change. The workforce changes, you know, uh, their priorities, uh, how they look at things. Um, but like sometimes you get fresh ideas and you, and you can get those people involved and they become passionate about it and they, and they give you a different take on ways you can improve stuff. But, but, but as far as creating lasting change, it's, it's the people, whatever your strength is like getting that strength and finding out how you can use that strength to benefit your crew, your agency and the industry really, and, and plugging in. And now with social media, there, there's, there's tons of ways that you can get that out there. Yeah, it's definitely cool to see that uh, the rise of social media. I think the the a lot of people are going out on the limb and putting themselves at risk for putting all this information out there. I mean, there's like crews out there and these can't be sponsored by the feds, you know, so they're taking that risk to show and share the stories of what we do and share lessons, share all this stuff and give a positive image to the wildland firefighting community. And I, I think it's cool to see that on the rise. No, that that's, it is, it is, it is so cool. And I mean, I'm, I'm proud of the fact that my boys may be interested in doing this and I would steer them towards the, this, you know, the, the traveling with the crews and doing the hotshot thing, you know, in a, in a heartbeat, because it was, it was such a valuable experience, you know, and, and meeting so many different people at, at a young age and different points of view and, and all that. And it is a, an incredibly unique industry and, uh, and, and yeah, it, it's something to be, um, you know, th- that we need to continue to make sure it's taken care of for, for, for the long term, And we don't want to see it dwindling and, you know, all the budget cuts and, and things that, that happen. But if we have any way that we can help to steer that or, or make even the product that we put out, you know, so worthwhile that why would they even think about, you know, the, the quality of our product? If we, if we make it that great to where it's, it's not perishable, you know, they can't do without us. You know, I think that's that personal ownership of, of the job that you're doing. You're like, Hey, well, you know what, I'm going to do the best we can our crew's going to knock it out of the park and and you know what they're going to do what they're going to do at the end of the day but you know we're we're doing it doesn't change what we're here to do right and that's a good job absolutely man well damn dude thank you for uh preaching the good word of fitness leadership and mentorship man that's a it's an interesting perspective and then we totally we had some talking points and we just totally went off the rails <laughs> this is like yeah, a, that was awesome that was good man was great so no, uh, oh go ahead I was, I was just gonna say I, I totally enjoyed it, man. It was great. It was it was great. Yeah, we're sitting at about an hour and nineteen minutes for roll time, so doesn't okay. even feel like yeah, it. That's a long one. <laughs> it's good, man. So, how do we get a hold of you for questions? So, uh, my so website is ventureathlete.com. and again, it's on the Acre Point podcast uh, list of, of resources. There, um, that's how you can get a hold of me. Uh, you'll get to the website, uh, Instagram. You know, I, I answer my DMs when I can. Um, uh, and right now, everybody's pretty busy. But if you got any questions, uh, especially in the off season, I feel like that's when I can be the greatest help to folks because I'm available, they're available, right? And uh, so, end of the year, if anybody wants to to participate, you know, we're going to be hitting the, the strength work and uh, and getting ready for the the season already. You know, come October, we're getting ready for the next season. So, 
Hell yeah, man. So at the last uh, part of the show, I like to give an opportunity to give for you to give a shout out to a, uh, a homie, a hero or a mentor. Who do you got for us? All right. My mentor, I'm going to say Mark Perez. And what this guy is, is uh, I told you I started out as an explorer and uh, he was always that guy that you would just hear. When anybody mentioned their name, right? It was always with some like reverence, like, you know, this is a, a fireman's fireman kind of thing, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you know, and very much a, a lot of the ways that I looked up to him and, and modeled, I tried to model a lot of the program that I run off of him and I got to work with him. Uh, you know, he's still a foreman. So I, I got, I get to work with them, you know, he's getting ready to retire now, but, uh, but definitely as in the, in the industry, as a mentor, um, he would be, he'd be one that I would definitely uh, point to as a man, just setting that good example for, for worker. I mean, the guy's got, you know, he's got gray hair and he's been doing it a, a super long time, but he's the first one to get his tool swinging when you're out there. He doesn't, he's not like, you know, talking about the BS of, Hey, who brought the water? And what about this and that while they're talking, he's already swinging this tool, man. He's just a good man. Sounds like a salty legend. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. Well, Chris, dude, I want to thank you so much for being on the show. I definitely appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I hope to get you on here again, man. All right. Thanks again. And uh, just keep it going. And thanks for the community, brother. Anytime, man. This is we're, it's it's your community, really. I'm just a facilitator, bro. <laughs> thanks, man. Take it easy, everybody. Later, guys. All right, ladies and gentlemen, another episode of the Anchor Point Podcast is in the books with Chris Ruano. Dude, thank you so much for being on the show, man. That was a cool discussion. I like how it, uh, we kind of took the the talking points that we had and kind of already pre-established and just barely touched on them, kind of threw them out the window and kind of went down our own little rabbit hole. So I definitely definitely like episodes like that. It's pretty cool, man. Anyways, uh, if you guys are interested and you want to check out his programming, uh, I've checked it out as well. Um, I've seen some of his prep and defend, his other workouts, like his his extended attack uh, programming. It It's good. It's good stuff. It's solid, uh, solid functional movements. I like that kind of stuff, but you can go over to www.ventureathlete.com and you can find out more about his thing. And if you guys also swing by my website, I have links, uh, going directly to his website. So check it out, Chris. Once again, thank you so much. Special shout out to our sponsors. We got mystery ranch. We got hotshot brewery. We got the Smoky Generation and our good buddy over there at the Ass Movement, Mr. Booze, Booze and Fire. He's a good dude. Anyways, I hope you guys enjoy the show and uh, yeah, be safe out there. It's heating up. Take care. Be safe.